God. Hallelujah. I want to preach on this subject today. The faith before the feast. The faith before the feast. Would you say it with me? The faith before the feast. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to listen to the preacher real good and amen every once in a while. God bless you. You may be seated. There's an old story that used to circulate, and it's, it's a good news, bad news story. A certain man told his friend that his brother was working to get his pilot's license. His friend said, oh, that's good. No, that's bad. Because the engine caught fire. Oh, that's bad, said his friend. No, that's good because he had a parachute. Oh, that's good, answered his friend. No, no, that's bad because the parachute didn't open. Oh, that's bad, said his friend. No, wasn't so bad because he had an emergency parachute. Oh, that's good, his friend replied. No, that's, that's really bad because that one didn't open either. Oh, that's bad, his friend said. Well, no, it wasn't that bad because there was a haystack underneath. Oh, that's good, said the friend. No, no, that's bad because there was a pitchfork sticking up out of the haystack. Oh, that, that's bad. No, not, not really. He missed the pitchfork. That's good. No, no, that, that's bad. He missed the haystack. You know, I think the moral of the story is we just don't know. Sometimes in life we just don't know whether it's good or bad. We can't really tell. But that reversal is something that is interesting, and it's common in the Bible. Loosely defined, a reversal describes any story where a sudden change or a major shift is the primary part of the plot. Has anybody ever read or are familiar with the story of Cinderella? Where the, the stepsister is, Cinderella is hated and mistreated and, and she goes on to marry the prince. It's a total turnaround. She's mopping the floor one day and the next day she's in the palace. It's a great reversal. You say, well, that's, but that's a fairy story. That's a fairy tale. Well, but have you looked at the Bible? There are reversals throughout the Bible. And the Bible is not fiction. It is true. Uh, take a brief trip with me through the, the chapters of the Bible, uh, some of them. The account of the fall in Genesis 3 is the first reversal in the Bible. Adam and Eve go from paradise to a cursed future. They go from having everything to having nothing. If you go a little further in the Bible, you jump quite a few chapters actually, Lot 
looks toward the well-watered plain of the Jordan River. And the Bible even says it's compared to the Garden of Eden. And he chooses a future when he pitches his tent toward Sodom. He chooses a future in which he will lose his home, he will lose his wife, and the whole region will be destroyed by fire and brimstone. It's quite a reversal. One of the stories in the Bible and the accounts in the Bible that have the most reversals is the story of Joseph. Joseph is exalted by his father, given the coat of many colors. He is abducted by his brothers. He is sold into slavery. He is accused of rape and thrown into prison. Oh, that's bad. No, that's good. Because one day in prison he meets the baker and the butler and suddenly the next day he is appointed to the second in command in the country of Egypt. It is as close to a Cinderella story that I can find. Going from prison to the palace overnight, that's pretty miraculous. The epic of the Exodus also has its share of plot reversals. Moses' reversal. He has a death sentence at birth, but he is taken by Pharaoh's daughter and grows up in the palace. He chooses to leave the palace after he discovers uh, a, a fight and ends up murdering a, an Egyptian, and, and oh, that's bad. No, that's good. He leaves, and he talks to God and finds his way back to where he needs to be with God, and he comes back as a deliverer. Oh, that's good. No, that's bad. Pharaoh doesn't want to let them go. Oh, that's bad. No, that's good. God, God has the plagues. And the locusts come, and the, and, the, and the flies come, and the frogs. Man, can you believe that? Wow. I would be saying, get out of here. And he did. And that's good, but no, that's bad. He changed his mind. we got to go at it again. And so finally, the last night, the great plague of the killing of the firstborn and, and the children of Israel uh, eat the Passover lamb and they are ready to leave Egypt. And as they leave Egypt, God is delivering them with, with Moses at the front. But God leads them straight into the biggest obstacle they could ever face, the Red Sea. Oh, that's bad. Pharaoh's army is bearing down on them. That's bad. No, that's good. God's going to part the waters. Oh, that's good. Yeah, except for the Egyptian army follows them in. Oh, that's bad. No, they get out in time to get on the other shore, and the waters come back in and drown their enemies. Oh, that's good. Yes, God knows how to reverse situations. He knows what he's doing. He knows. The story of Gideon had such a reversal. Gideon was uh, suffered from this uh, inferiority complex, and the Scripture points to this reluctant hero. He overcomes immense odds, and he wins the battle 
through obedience. Starts out with a large army. And uh, that's good. No, that's bad. God's going to make most of them leave and leave them with a handful. Oh, that's bad. No, God's going to win the battle with a handful. It doesn't take 3,000. It doesn't take uh, some kind of strength and power of the armed forces. God can snap his finger and accomplish the impossible. Samson's relationship with Delilah reaches its pinnacle in the sudden reversal of his loss of strength. But then his greatest victory turns the Philistine mockery on its head and it lands a repentant Samson in the chapter of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. How does that happen? What's he doing in Hebrews 11? Well, there's this little scripture that says his hair began to grow in the prison house. And when he finally got it all together, he won his greatest victory at the end of his life. The story of Esther highlights reversal. Haman finds himself leading the king's horse with Mordecai in the exalted position that Haman wanted. And Haman ends up dying on the gallows that he built for Mordecai. And the Jewish nation is spared because of the courage of Esther. That's quite a reversal. The book of Daniel where Nebuchadnezzar cast the three uh, Hebrew young princes into the furnace only to find that there's a fourth man in the fire. It's such a reversal. It's the end, but it's not the end. God shows up. I'm going to tell you, God will show up and turn things around. Darius spends a sleepless night after consigning Daniel to the lion's den. And then he goes and they remove the cover. And Darius says, are you all right, Daniel? said, I had a great night's sleep. The Lord shut the lion's mouth. And then the great reversal happens when those that accused him are tossed into that pit of lions and they are dead before they hit the floor. The New Testament has its own versions of this reversal motif. Most prominent New Testament version, New Testament version of reversal occurs in the sayings and the parables of Jesus Christ. Jesus' sayings regularly reverse the conventional standards or the expectations. He says the first shall be and the last shall be. He says if you save your life, you will. He says, if you lose your life, you will. That's right. It's a, it's a reversal. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who suffer. And the familiar reversals that enliven Jesus' parables, the fortunes of the rich man and the beggar are reversed in the afterlife. The story of salvation itself is a story of reversal. Isaiah writes, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, God's going to turn this around, and he's going to make them white as snow. The Bible says in Romans that, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus said to Nicodemus in so many words, you're dead in sin, but you can be born again. He, he was talking about being uh, that opportunity 
opportunity to be born again. What a reversal. Your old man can be gone. You can be born of the water and the spirit. That promise is for you today if you have not experienced that. Amen? Would you clap your hands to the Lord? Aren't you glad he can turn it around? Now I'm going to get to my text. It's all right, I'm almost done. I'm not, I'm not almost done. Musicians don't come right now, but I want everybody at least to think that I'm near that. Second Kings 7. Then Elisha. This is, this is uh, the situation where Samaria is under siege, and they've been in a famine for so long that parents are, are literally serving up their children for dinner. There's been no food in Samaria for so long, and Elisha the prophet is there. Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel. That's about a handful. In the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand... The king leaned, answered the man of God, and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be. And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we're going to die also. Now therefore come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we're going to live. If they kill us, we shall but die. It's going to happen either way. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and left their horses and their donkeys and the camp as it was and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink. They carried then silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. The word good tidings would be equal to gospel, the good news. If we tarry until the morning light, Some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. They come and tell the porter of the city. And then they transfer the the news to the king's uh, palace. And when they all get together, they say, we're going to send some people to check it out. They check it out. It's true. So the next day, what happened was exactly what Elisha said would happen. It was a great reversal. Although they were starving one day, the next day they had so much to eat that a handful sold for very cheap. One day a loaf of bread 
was $500. And the next day, you could buy the loaf of bread for change. You could buy it for a dollar or two. That's exactly what God did. He said, I'm going to bring about a reversal in this situation. God did the miracle, chasing the Syrians away from the city of Samaria and ending the siege with feasting. So this is what I want to tell you about that story today. Number one, God will turn things around. I'm going to say it again. God will turn things around. It was absolutely as bad as it could get. But tomorrow things are going to be drastically different. Tomorrow the staples of life will be readily available. There's no need for desperation anymore. There's no need for the cannibalism that was going on anymore. The power of God will spectacularly reverse the desperate circumstance of Israel. God will turn things around. I'm telling you, sometimes you just have to walk by faith, brother, and say, God will turn things around. I don't see it right now, but I know, my God, God will turn things around. Sometimes the doctor's report is not what I want it to be, but God will turn things around. He's a big God. He can make it different tomorrow. I walk by faith and not by sight, and faith is the evidence of things not seen and the substance of things hoped for. How many of you believe God can turn things around? Would you would you say it with your mouth? God will turn things around. Around, Let your ears hear you say it. God will turn things around. You may be seated. Second thing I want you to understand is God will not tell you how. Man, I hate that, don't you? What, what, how are you, how you going to do it, God? Are you going to let manna fall like you did in the wilderness? Are you going to let the meal barrel just keep producing like you did for the widow woman? Prophets were good at that kind of thing. Is the oil going to just keep pouring out? How are you going to do it? Is quail going to fall from the sky? Are the ravens going to come bring dinner? He can do it, you know. How are you going to do it? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Prophet just said tomorrow. You're going to be able to buy all the wheat you want and the barley you want. It's going to be readily available. How's he going to do it? I can't say. King's aide said, and it can't happen even if he opens up the window of heaven. And the prophet said, you're going to see it with your eyes, but you're not going to eat it. Because you had doubt. 
There's not going to be an explanation. You can't put God in a box. I said, you can't put God in a box. He can turn it around any way he wants to turn it around. He's not going to ask your permission. He loves to keep us guessing. He loves to keep us trusting in him, not in his methods. His methods are always changing, but he needs to keep us trusting in him. I don't know how he's going to do it, but tomorrow there's going to be food on my table. This is the faith before the feast. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm going to sh- I'm going to clean the silverware. I'm going to I'm going to put the plates out. I'm going to I'm going to get the I'm going to get the paper napkins out. I'm going to get ready for dinner. I'm going to get ready for dinner. I got my fork in my hand. What are you going to eat? I don't know. I don't know where it's going to come from, but I know God is still on the throne, and I've got faith even before the feast is there. Number three, God can use anyone to bring victory. Those four lepers were silent and voiceless. They had three options. Go into the city, no food, death. Stay where they are, no food, death. Number three, turn themselves over to the Syrians, food, possible death. I'd have been in on that third one. I'm like... If it involves food, count me in. I know that's hard to believe. We don't have any options here. All we can do is just get up from where we are and have a little faith and say, I'm just going to put myself in the hands of the Lord. I will let go. I'm just going to trust you, God. I'm just going to have some faith before the feast. I don't see how it's going to happen. I may die trying, but I'm not going to die sitting here like I am. I'm not going to stay where I am. Now watch what happened. The lepers go. They're outcasts of society. They go and they find the feast is waiting. Now, do you think when they came back to the city and said, Hey, guess what? Mac is is ten cents a piece today. You think people were saying, Excuse me, who are you? When they brought the good news that there was food, do you think they were checking their pedigree? Where did you go to school? Who who was your parents? I don't think I want that food if if you're not Oh no 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 no. When people are desperate, they don't care. You got good news? Sometimes we worry about everything. People, when they're hungry, they don't care who you are. They don't care what, they don't care if our, if our church is a little loud. If they, they don't care if, 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 if we worship a little crazy, if we, if we talk in tongues. You know what? Hungry people don't care. Hungry people don't care. Just give me some food. Just tell me, just tell me where I can end my pain. Tell me where the answer is. Tell me where I can find some hope. It was four lepers. Nobody would have talked to them before. But now they have good news. I may not be much, but I'm here to tell you today. There is a feast. There is a feast. There is a feast. There is a feast. 
so interesting because Jesus' voice won the battle. He wouldn't tell them what he was doing. The Bible said in 2 Kings uh, 7 and 6, for the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise. The literal word is voice. The voice of chariots and the voice of horses and the voice of a great army. Can you imagine? Wouldn't you have loved to have been in heaven? He had never done this before. God had never done this before. Sent the ravens, sent the manna, sent everything else. This time he says, watch, Gabriel. Look at him run. Is that funny? They're, they're jumping on their horses. They're leaving. Oh, my goodness. Do you believe? Look at him. Isn't that funny? They're, Look, look, they think it's a horn. They think it's horses. They think that's my best horse impersonation. I'm sorry. You have a horse impersonation? Come on. Come on. <laughs> Come on. You want to try it, Gabriel? Try it. Try it. Look at him run. Look at him run. Look at him run. Oh, it never in scripture before. But you know what? The Syrians got out of there just because of some sound effects from heaven. He's not going to tell you how it's all going to work out. But he's still big enough to turn your situation around. He's big enough to do it. He's big enough to do it. Would you stand with me? There's one prominent Bible scholar that believes the Lord just multiplied the noise of the four lepers. Turned the sound way up to where four sounded like an army. And now the four lepers are in charge of the gospel, the good news. The good news is that God has defeated our enemy. The enemy is gone. The good news is that there is abundant food, abundant life. The good news is you can be free. The good news, the enemy has been defeated. Now watch. I want you to pay close attention before we end this thing. How long was it between when the Syrians ran off And the city of Samaria knew they were gone. There was a time period in there. Because when the lepers went, they were all gone. Can I ask you a question? What's holding the Hebrew nation inside of Samaria? What's holding them? Soldiers aren't holding them. There's no army out there anymore. They've been gone for a while. It was just fear. It was just fear. If one person would have stepped out of the gate, Anybody home? Soldiers. 
Syrians. Nothing but an echo. Nothing. Nothing. Who is in this sanctuary today that is simply being held by fear when God has everything you need? All you got to do is have the faith. Step out. Enemies defeated. My Bible tells me that the enemy is defeated. My Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Hebrews 10, 35 through 37 says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after, everybody say after, after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. After you have done the will of God. I've been praying, Sister Emma, I've been praying. Hadn't seen it happen yet. But after I've done the will of God, I've got to endure so I can see the promise. I have to have the faith before the feast. So we sat with our son after chemotherapy when his body was motionless for 48 hours. I wanted to leave the room, but I couldn't leave the room. He couldn't respond. I still wanted to stay. I sat in my chair just to be close to him. But I had my fork in my hand. I had my knife in my hand. God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but it's not going to end this way. God, I don't know how you're going to turn this around, but I have faith in you. Is there somebody that would bring the knife and fork to the front of this building right now and say, God, I'm going to have the faith before the feast. Don't let fear hold you back. Don't let fear hold you back. Come on. Come on. I don't know. God's got a promise for you. God can turn it around. God will turn it around. This is the time for your reversal. This is the time for your turnaround. I believe God's going to pour out his, his spirit in the city of Perth. I believe we're in that moment right before the great reversal. God is still on the throne. God is ready. Would you lift your voice to him? I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe, God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Would you reach out in faith? Don't let fear hold you back.